today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Interesting twist on what's going on here. Now, we know that ever since the uh, trade deal was signed, the USMCA trade deal was signed, uh, well, not signed, but agreed to anyway a couple of weeks ago, it still has to be ratified, uh, there has been some concern here about the fact that the steel and aluminum tariffs are still in place. And I know the opposition has been going after the prime minister and saying, you don't sign this deal until you get those things gone. We're told negotiations are going on. But now the uh, Mexican trade minister is uh, urging all of the parties not to sign the deal until the U.S. removes those tariffs. Are we at a stalemate here? I'm not so sure. Uh, Joining us to talk about this, Ian Lee from the Sprott School of Business at uh, Carleton University. Ian, thanks so much for the time. Good to have you with us today. Uh, my pleasure, Bill. I, I, listen, I understand the sentiments of the uh, the trade minister from Mexico and, and even the opposition parties here, but do we really have that kind of muscle that we can demand this? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I don't. I mean, that's just the reality. They're, you know, they're ten times larger than we are. They're the world superpower. There's just no way around that. Uh, even more, co- what even complicates this uh, to a much greater degree is that the off-year elections are in, what, seven days, six yeah, days, next yeah. Tuesday. And if the polls are correct... And the polls, uh, and I don't mean one poll, these are week after week after week are predicting that the, that the Democratic Party is going to regain control of the House of Representatives. That's absolutely crucial because they have to ratify this new agreement, the new NAFTA, let's call it. And the Democratic Party record for the past 30 years on North American free trade agreements has been absolutely negative. That is to say they've always voted it down. Bill Clinton only got NAFTA through, the Democratic President Bill Clinton, only got NAFTA through in 1993 because the Republicans supported him. The Democrats went against their own president and voted against NAFTA. And there are, I think there's still a lot of people in the Democratic Party who will be more than willing to vote down the new NAFTA, even without the issue of the tariffs. So I I think both Mexico and Canada are risking um, kicking sand in the bully's face um, or pouring oil on on the fire uh, by, by saying, well, we want those tariffs removed. I agree. I think they should have negotiated. They shouldn't have agreed to the deal until the tariffs came off. I mean, I can't see how you can have a trade agreement with tariffs on. I mean, the whole point of a trade agreement is to rem- eliminate tariffs, but they did. And now we're faced with an imperfect solution uh, situation, and I'm not sure that saying, oh, wait a minute, now we've changed our mind about signing, because that's just going to give a, a golden opportunity to Democratic congressmen and women who don't like NAFTA to begin with, it's going to give them an excuse to shoot it down. We tend to, I guess, ignore a lot of the history, and I'm glad you brought that up, because this uh, protectionist uh, policy that the Trump obviously adheres to is not new to Americans, isn't it? This has been going on for a long time. It, it certainly has. It's been going on for... I would say at least 25, 30 years, really since the mid-80s and the uh, Reagan years. Um, and the, there's, a, there's a significant, uh, I mean, there's a division within the, the, the Democratic Party, just like there is in Canada and the Liberal Party, and for the Conservative Party, for that matter. But let's just stick with the Liberals. You know, in Canada, we talk about the Blue Liberals or the pro-business Liberals, and then the Red Liberals, who are the so-called social justice-type Liberals, who want a lot more social spending. Well, in the States, you've got the Blue Dog Democrats, who are business liberals, and then you've got the much more um, liberal uh, liberals, if I can put it that way, who are opposed to trade agreements. They don't like trade agreements. 
and they they're they're hostile to business for that matter. And you get a lot of them in California and in the Northeast, in the um, in the New England states, and and that's really the base and the core of the Democratic Party. And there's a lot of opposition to trade agreements generally. They were opposed to TPP, and they're opposed to NAFTA. So uh, I I think that this is potentially becoming very messy very quickly because the new congress is sworn in in january so we're only talking six or seven weeks away and as i said it could be democratic and now we're saying well we're not necessarily going to sign until the tariffs come off and the democrats say maybe saying well we don't want to sign at all period and we may wake up in six weeks from now and find we don't have a, a trade agreement after all so this, yeah, this thing could blow up. What oh, yes. you're talking about a possible change in government, maybe even a likely change, at least in the Congress, anywhere in the states. Yes. Uh, but we also have to keep in mind, I guess, Ian, that and uh, I guess about a month now, the first of December, uh, there's a change in government in Mexico. How's that going to impact this? Exactly. And the new guy coming in seems to be much more left nationalist as opposed to right wing nationalist like Trump um, or populist, if you want to call it that. And and so he is not going to be want to be perceived at all at all at all to be pushed around by the American bully, the American gringo bully, and uh, to use the slang uh, language that uh, some Mexicans use to describe the U.S. And so that's going to complicate it even more. That produces and introduces another layer of complexity that's going to make this, I think, messier. And if right now I was a betting person, and I'm not. Uh, but if I was, I would say the chances of that actually going into law, the new NAFTA, are right now at best 50-50. I, I'm trying to peel through some of the rhetoric here, too. Uh, and uh, Kelly Kraft, who's the U.S. ambassador to Canada, uh, was speaking uh, at, a, I guess it was a Chamber of Commerce meeting, uh, and says that, look, don't take it personally, that uh, President Trump is reviewing the tariffs, and he says it's not really against Canada or Mexico, it's to protect from foreign investment. We, I, they talk in China here, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but how can you not take it personally when he's imposing these on Canada and Mexico, who are supposed to be the trading partners in this deal? Well, that's exactly the point. That is exactly the point. I mean, I, I do believe that they can do more surgical um, retaliation against China. I, I don't accept his argument that, that we're just collateral damage. They can structure this if they really wanted to, uh, to really just go after China, not Canada or Mexico. Uh, but I also think it's getting caught up in, in politics. That is to say, Trump is running as the I'm here to protect you uh, from uh, all the uh, countries of the world that are exploiting us and taking advantage of us. So, I mean, there is a, a, a political component to this. It's part of his campaign strategy for this year's off-year election, but not just this year's off-year election, which are over next week. <laughs> He's already running again for re-election as the president in the fall of 2020, which is two years from now, almost two years to the day. And he wants to build the brand, his brand, as I'm the guy who's going to protect you. And it's not those those other guys in the other party, and and so this is not going to stop uh, next Tuesday when the election when the off year elections are over are finished. It's going to, if anything, uh, continue over the next two years as he continues to seek reelection by building that that reputation as the guy that's going to protect uh, people in the Rust Belt area. Right. I mean, he's never stopped running, really, from the, the day he got elected exactly. two years ago. I mean, he, you know, he, he goes to rallies almost three or four times a week now. That's, exactly. that's what it's all about. He's in, he's in campaign mode all the time. Right. Right. Always has been. Is, is, uh, maybe I'm reading in between the lines here, Ian, but is there maybe an underlying uh, problem here that, that nobody seems to want to talk about, is that now we've read some of the details of this deal that maybe none of the three countries even like much uh, about what was agreed 
agreed to in the first place? Uh, that could have, that could be very much so. I mean, there's an increasing blowback in Canada, as we know. Uh, there's things in there that people are starting to discover and that they don't like. And, of course, the, the, the thing about trade agreements is that the, the winners are widely diffused. That is to say, the people that benefit from a free trade agreement, there's large numbers, and the benefit is relatively small per person, so they're not going to go out and mobilize and protest in favor of. So the people that are going to protest against, who have much more motivation, are the people who where the losses are concentrated. You know, it could be unions, for example. And so there's the way that the, it works is that there's there's more payoff, if I can put it that way, more political payoff, more benefit to be protesting and trying to stop one of these agreements than trying to support one of these agreements. So it has lots of enemies and not very many supporters in the sense of people who will show up on a picket line or show up at a protest movement. And so, you know, you the, the odds are stacked against trade agreements, generally speaking. And in this instance, it, because of the particular politics that we've just discussed, you know, the incoming president who's significantly left the center in Mexico, we have a much more um, liberal government in Ottawa, progressive government, self-styled progressive government, and then Trump, and then all the politics in the states that uh, about over trade. And it's making it, I think, more and more difficult. We thought we'd put it all to bed about two weeks ago, and now we're finding that the whole thing is held together by some very, very uh, uh, slender threads of silk uh, that could rupture very quickly. Well, the basic tenet of agreements, as you and I have talked about over the years now, is look at you have to give and take. And I think a lot of analysts, and certainly from what we hear from the Mexican delegation, maybe it's going on down there too, have analyzed this deal and said, look, we gave up an awful lot. We don't see that we got much in return. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, I, I am of that camp that, that I believe the trade agreements are always in everybody's interest, even if some people individually do lose. The net-net gain overall to everybody is, is superior to the loss. But the losses are very visible, whereas the gains are not highly visible. And that means then that there's a greater incentive to protest and try to kill uh, the deal. And and as I said, that's why I am, I'm not trying to be, you know, dark and black or anything on this. It's just that I, I just see an awful lot of storm clouds over this new NAFTA. And I do not think by any stretch of the imagination it's yet a done deal. Uh, given the new president coming into Mexico, given the Congress probably going to flip or, or turn to the Dems uh, in seven days' time. And if all those happen, uh, those things uh, uh, unfold like that, then I think it's uh, more likely that it will get shot down than likely it will be supported. So where does that leave us? I mean, because the ratification wasn't going to take place until the new year anyway, uh, with yeah. the, the new Congress, as you mentioned, and whatever is going to be happening in, in Mexico. Uh, but I'm not so sure that even our government is going to be that uh, that uh, much of in a hurry to do something like this. I mean, they've got an election coming up, too. And if this is deemed to be an, an unfavorable deal by an awful lot of the people in this country right now, I'm not so sure that we'll sign. I, I'm agreeing with you, but we have to be very careful, you know, that old... Chinese uh, proverb, be, be careful of what you wish for, for you may get it. Yeah. I mean by that, that if, let's do a um, you know, what-if scenario. Let's say it does get shot down. Let's say the Congress, the U.S. Congress doesn't ratify it. Uh, I think that that would motivate Mr. Trump to use executive orders at the border to slow down the border. He can, through executive order, instruct Homeland Security and borders the borders people in the U.S. government to, I'll give you an example, you must inspect every truck going through the border. Every last truck must be inspected by hand. Well, you could shut down that border tomorrow morning. I mean, you could make a, a lineup that goes 10 miles into downtown Toronto from the, uh, from the border at Buffalo. 
or the the border around Detroit and Windsor. You could you could have a ten mile long lineup just by enforcing, and he has the authority to do that. And if his goal or game is to show he's standing up for American workers, and the NAFTA deal gets shot down, the one he claims is a much better deal now because he negotiated it, well, then he's got some other tricks up his sleeve. So we have to be really careful about what we do reject because, you know, we may get something worse. You know, the bad as it is, uh, we may think it's pretty bad. If we shoot it down, he, he can get nasty because he has executive control over the borders. It's administered by the U.S. government, and the U.S. government departments report to the president, not the Congress. Well, and if there is one country that is satisfied with the deal, it's, it's the Americans, obviously, and Trump, because yeah. he got just about everything he asked for here. Exactly. Uh, I know that the Mexican delegation, when they were in Ottawa yesterday, uh, they brought up this whole idea again about uh, you know being able to opt out if uh, one of the parties agrees to a, a trade deal with one of the non-market economies. And even the Mexican delegation, we didn't want that in there, and certainly Canada didn't want it in there, so you know where it came from. And, and that, that could be the poison pill. Exactly, exactly. And it, this is why this whole thing is so fraught. I mean, people think it's just about a trade agreement. Well, it's not just about a trade agreement. It's about getting stuff across the border. <laughs> and, you know, if, we, if he wants to get really nasty, it's not just tr- tariffs. People think, oh, well, there's tariffs and there's trade agreements and that's it. He can, he can have every truck searched. He could say, I want every parcel, every box on every truck search. I mean, he could literally close down that border. I mean, and it would kill, I mean, over $2 billion a day cross that border from Canada into the U.S. And it's through about three border points, three or four border points. So it's not as if there's hundreds of border points to control. I mean, it's the really big ones. And uh, the obvious one is the one at Vancouver, the one at uh, Detroit-Windsor, and it would just be absolutely devastating to us. So we have to be walked very, very carefully on this, much as we may dislike the uh, current new NAFTA. Well, and you know, let's let's bring back the, uh, let's one of the things that was being held over our heads in the past, and that of course was possible tariffs on the auto sector. Uh, I mean, if the U.S. doesn't get this deal, and if Trump doesn't get the signatures from Mexico and Canada, you got to figure that there's going to be some sort of retribution here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's what worries me. And that's what worries me because he's not doing well in the polls. So he's going to, I think, double down on what he's doing. He's not going to do an about face and say, gee whiz, I've been wrong for the last two years. I'm going to do something completely different. He's going to double down on what he's doing and try and show that he's even tougher and stronger and, and more willing to protect the American interest. And that means whacking Canada and whacking Mexico, however he decides he wants to whack us uh, or hit us. Uh, but he wants it to be visible and political, and so that you know everybody's talking about it, and everybody says, "Oh, look at that Trump, you know, standing up for us, you know, in the Rust Belt states." And that is my fear: is is that if we do, uh, if the new NAFTA is shot down for whatever reason, then watch out because I think the knock-on consequences are going to get worse, not better. Well, and we've seen that with some of the reports uh, of what's happened, you know, because the tariffs have been in place for a, a little bit of time now anyway. Yeah. And apparently they are having an impact, especially in some of those Rust Belt states so through Michigan and, and parts of Ohio. Uh, but they're not blaming him. Uh, exactly. uh, you know, the, the, the Republicans that are running there says, well, blame Canada, blame Mexico. That's, they're the ones that are doing this to us. And, yes. and they yes. seem to be eating that up. Yes. I mean, he has, he has um, I think Canadians don't realize, because we see the, you know, the CNNs and the Washington Post and the New York Times, and they're all uniformly against Trump, and they think nobody supports Trump. But out there in the Rust Belt states, there is enormous support for him. There, you know, it, it, he's running 
40-odd percent in the polls. That's an awful lot of Americans. You know, it's not a majority, but my goodness me. And and you get into the rural, quasi-rural, um, you know, and you get into a place like Cleveland, Ohio, and Toledo, you know, manufacturing uh, cities and, and states like Ohio, and very strong support for Trump. Uh, and 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 that's that's not changing, and they're not going to because of who are they? They're certainly not going to support the Democrats because they're these are very conservative people. So they they found their guy, and they're going to keep supporting him. And so he's going to be doubling down on this kind of rhetoric and these kinds of actions. And we are going to bear the price. We're going to bear the burden, and it's going to fall on us. So Mr. Trudeau and, and Ms. Freeland are going to have to tread very very carefully on this. With everything in mind like this, then, Ian, can we assume now that this uh, tariff uh, circumstance is not going to be lifted until we sign the deal? In other words, you put your signature then, we'll lift the tariffs, but not until then. He's, I, he still wants view. to have that as a hammer, doesn't he? That, that's my view. I think he really wants to, um, I don't humiliate is probably too strong a word, but he wants to, everyone to understand that he won and we lost. <laughs> and he wants his own voters. And then so he's going to say, you sign the deal, then we can talk about the tariffs, and I'll take them off in my own sweet time. So, I, I, again, I think it's partly to send signals to his base that he is going to be fighting for them, you know, till the cows come home, as the old as the phrase goes. Ian Lee from the Spot School of Business. Uh, thanks, as always, Ian. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks very much, Bill. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.